Hello and welcome to What Has Been Max and Murphy here on WBAI Radio 99.5 FM and WBAI.org. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. This is our first show in our first week without Jarrett Murphy, who we said a tearful goodbye to last week in case you missed the show. Uh, Jarrett, after 14 years at City Limits, uh, five years doing the Max and Murphy show, whether a podcast or here on WBAI for a few years, uh, and even longer in journalism overall, is moving on to nursing school, and he's just getting going there. So he has departed from City Limits, and he's departed here from Max and Murphy, and uh, I will be hosting solo for the foreseeable future, but with lots of great guests as usual and great topics on New York politics. So we're working on a new name for the show, and we'll have that going in the coming weeks. But for now, we're so focused on covering the elections that are imminent. It is June now. We are in the month of the primaries. It is all happening. We are now under three weeks from primary day. Early voting starts in under two weeks. Absentee ballots are already out. It is happening. The 2021 New York City elections are really underway now that the ballots have been sent out for those who've requested absentee ballots so far. And early voting will be starting June 12th through June 20th and primary day, June 22nd. So we're in the stretch run here. We've come through Memorial Day. We've turned the corner and a lot is happening in today's show. In just a couple minutes, I'm going to be talking about the race for mayor. I'm going to be joined by Joe Anuda of Politico New York, one of Politico's great reporters who've been covering this race so closely. Joe and I will talk about where the mayoral race stands with under three weeks until primary day. We'll preview tonight's debate a little bit, talk about what we don't know and what we do know about where the race stands. It is much more what we don't know than what we do know. But just coming up in a minute, Joe Anuda from Political New York would join me. A little later in the show, a really important lengthy segment we're going to do is on the New York City Comptroller primary. The New York City Comptroller primary is, of course, a citywide office for the city's chief fiscal officer, chief budget watchdog, an incredibly important position. And this race is not getting enough attention. We're going to spend a good long chunk of the show with two great guests breaking down the crowded and competitive Democratic primary for New York City Comptroller. I'll be joined in a little bit to do that by Nicole Gelinas of the Manhattan Institute and City Journal. She's also a columnist with the New York Post. She writes on urban economics and finance and has been, of course, following the controller race more closely than most people. And Jeff Colton, a political reporter for City and State New York, who's been doing some of the best day-in, day-out coverage of the 2021 elections, mostly focused on the mayoral race, but Jeff is focused on everything and knows a great deal about all the races happening. So make sure you stick around for that discussion in a little bit on the city controller race. It's a crowded field of competitors in the Democratic primary and a really important election coming up. So we'll break down the candidates, the issues, and what to know about the city controller primary as we are here in the stretch run of that race as well. So let's talk about the mayoral race, though. Uh, I'm happy to be joined right now by Joe Anuda of Political Reporter with Politico New York. Joe, thanks for joining me. Hey, Ben. Uh, thanks for having me. So 
let's just set the stage a little bit here. Uh, we're going to have the second official televised debate among these eight leading Democratic candidates for mayor this evening. Where do we stand here? I mean, it's it's hard. Anytime we ask that question in this race, I feel like it's pretty hard to capture it beyond maybe one or two or three things that we kind of think we know. But what what are what are a couple of things you think you know right now about where this race stands? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I think, um, you know, we often go by polling. And I think because we have a new system of voting, we have ranked choice voting. Uh, this is the first time in a mayoral primary. You can rank five people. A lot of the, the main pollsters uh, that we normally would have seen, um, you know, polling this race, maybe on a weekly basis, are not doing so, um, which I think the Times had a good story about this recently. So... Polling has definitely been more sporadic, and I think that gets to your point of, uh, you know, this is very unpredictable at this point. But I think, you know, May has been, uh, it was an interesting month that I think saw um, quite a change from polls where we were seeing Andrew Yang pretty consistently on top in the very beginning of the race. And we saw Eric Adams sort of catch up to him uh, in early May and... You know, as we got towards the end of the month, we see, you know, Yang and, and Adam still on top. But after Catherine Garcia got um, the endorsement from the New York Times editorial board, uh, which has hold sway in very high turnout areas of the city. And then the Daily News editorial board, we see her coming up in the polling that we have and even leading uh, a recent poll. Um So I think, you know, that's kind of, if you think about sort of the top two or three folks at the moment, I think we can say just based on consistency that, you know, Andrew Yang and Eric Adams are really the the front runners in the race right now. And then there's sort of um, some others jostling around there um, and being very competitive with them, depending on which poll you're looking at. Mm -hmm. Do you think, I mean, you know, I'm not definitely not asking you to do a lot of prognostication here. Obviously, we don't want to really do that. But one thing that I've found curious is that, you know, we've seen a little bit of Eric Adams growth in the polls that we do have. We've seen a little bit of a bit of Andrew Yang dip, but nobody really seems to be taking off. I mean, we've seen a couple of polls with Catherine Garcia making a big jump, but still she's just in the neighborhood of what we see from Yang and Adams. So, I mean, the undecided numbers are still huge here. This feels like three weeks to go. We have really no idea what's going to happen and who's up for grabs and whether there's a chance for virtually anybody to, to take off in this, in this top eight, obviously, Diane Morales, his campaign has really hit some stumbling blocks and she's been um, almost sort of off the grid here for a week, uh, almost, yeah. not completely. Um, Scott Stringer obviously had a, a scandal that he's been trying to overcome. He lost several endorsers after he was accused of a, a 2001 incidents of uh, sexual misconduct. Um, by a campaign volunteer at the time. Uh, people have probably seen that, of course, in the news over the last month or so. So he's had his stumbles, but then he picked up a few additional endorsements and he's been out there campaigning. He's got a lot of money. Um, 
Ray McGuire seems to really be struggling to break through. Sean Donovan seems to be struggling, but both of them have massive amounts of super PAC money flooding the the airwaves for them. And then there's sort of Maya Wiley kind of somewhere in the middle there. Um, mm-hmm. what, what do you sort of make of, of that uncertainty and the fact that, you know, I feel like every poll we get back, we're still seeing these really large numbers of undecideds. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that sort of, um, to me makes it logical that, you know, with the polling that we have, which I think, you know, as I mentioned, is pretty, pretty sparse and it's not coming from the same, uh, sort of institutional pollsters we normally would see in a democratic primary in New York. Um, you know, I've also been watching, watching the issue based polls. And I think from the people who are responding to these things, um, to me, I do see a connection between people who whose top issue is crime, let's say, um, and I mean that's a pretty broad definition. But um, you see, Eric Adams and Andrew Yang is sort of these. They want to be these anti-crime mayors, and I do see like a, a matchup there between the issues that are coming in uh, at the top of voters' minds, and then sort of it makes sense to me that they have been leaving the polls so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the, the question of, you know, Diane, for example, um, you know, I, we've, we've seen this sort of staff revolt that I think um, it does seem to be sapping her support a little bit. Um, and that was always a big question in this election, I think, is she was tapping into this sort of fairly recent political force that we've seen uh, in let's say Western Queens, for example, the sort of farther left um, folks, some of whom identify with the Democratic Socialists of America. And, um, you know, they can be very potent forces in a lot of local races that we've seen where uh, some of these more institutional Democrats um, are being primaried. Um, So I... I'm very curious what's going to happen to those folks who were Diane supporters. Um, I wanted to kind of see, you know, their show of force in a citywide election. Um, and uh, I'm very curious, you know, where they're going to go, if anywhere. Um, right. It almost seems like some of that energy is is maybe really focused. You know, I, I mean, the Democratic Socialists of America, New York City branch has their six city council candidate slate and seems like, you know, that's really where their energy is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it doesn't it, it's not clear. You know, you, if you talk about sort of the institutional players on the left, you have the Working Families Party. They went with Scott Stringer, Diane Morales, Maya Wiley in, in that order, but then they dropped Stringer and they basically turned it into a co-endorsement of Wiley and Morales. Then Morales hit her stumbling block. So, I, yeah. I mean, in my, in my in my sense of it, you know, on the sort of further left end of of the political spectrum, there's not a lot of organized effort right now in this mayoral race, and it's unclear if anybody's getting a significant boost. Uh, you know, Maya Wiley and her folks think that, you know, I think she's poised to pick up folks that might be leaving Stringer or Morales, uh, in some endorsements, that's clearly true, but it's not, it's not clear to what extent anybody can sort of really rally the left here because there's seemingly a good bit of skepticism about all three of those candidates. Um, totally. And I think if, if you're one of those voters and you're sort of on the far left of the political spectrum and Diane sort of 
does not meet your standards, I have a hard time believing that Maya or Scott would. Um, they're not saying the same things that Diane is saying about mm-hmm. defunding the police and social housing. Um, so to me, it's a question of, you know, those voters maybe who are peeling off from Diane. I don't know. I mean, I have a hard time seeing them sort of gravitating towards Meyer Scott, but maybe they are so concerned about a more moderate Democrat being elected that they do uh, sort of it motivates them to go to one or the other simply because they would rather see them than, let's say, Andrew Yang or Eric Adams. Right, right, right. I mean, that's one of the interesting dynamics we see is sort of this question of, um, you know, is there a is there a more conservative sort of don't rank Yang, don't rank Adams effort, mm-hmm. you know, from from the sort of left. Um, we yeah. saw some interesting messaging from the United Federation of Teachers on that front. Not that the not that the teachers union is the far left by any means, but they've supported Stringer. They've stuck with him and they put out some messaging that said, you know, rank Scott Stringer one and don't rank Yang or Adams. They didn't give any other direction that they put out on that. So that'll, uh, you know, that's that's another sort of little moment in time here, inclination of of sort of um, how the how the field is splintering a little bit. Um, right. What do you what do you make of all this super PAC money that's that's flooding? You know, the UFT has its own super PAC uh, independent expenditure supporting Scott Stringer. Almost every candidate has some sort of independent money behind them, but some much more than others. And, uh, and you know, it obviously makes a lot of sense uh, in terms of the economics of it all that the more moderate candidates are, are, are have the most money behind their super PACs. Definitely. I mean, I think for the case of Scott, you know, I think the UFT sticking by him and, um, you know, we sent um, – reporters up to the Upper West Side, and I really do, I think his base is sticking by him. Um, Mm. I think he was trying to build a coalition with some of, you know, these endorsers that he got, sort of the younger, uh, very diverse crowd of supporters, Um, you know, um, Joel Bowman, Jessica Ramos, um, and... Well, I think he loses, you know, he, those people obviously left his campaign and he, he's sort of uh, losing voters from the far left of his coalition. I think he does retain his sort of core base, uh, which is a fantastic base to run for mayor from. I mean, the Upper West Side is one of the highest turnout areas in the city. So if you're, let's say, Maya Wiley or Catherine Garcia, you're trying to compete to overtake uh, Yang or Adams. That's you know, there's a lot of people playing in that sandbox up there. Um, so I think, as far as the UFT supporting Scott and then some of these other packs, um, you know, money by itself, I think we're seeing now is not. Um, it doesn't necessarily buy you votes. Look, look at Ray McGuire and Sean Donovan. Um, excuse me, <clears throat> Sean Donovan. Um, they have PACs, and Ray has not even participated in the public financing system. They've spent uh, tons of money on ads. The PAC supporting Sean, which is primarily funded by his father, has spent the most out of any entity in the race. And if you look at the latest, uh, there's a poll from, from George Fontes and Core Analytics. It, ha- it has actually bumped up his name recognition quite significantly, mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. and Ray. But yet the votes are not coming in for them. They're still pulling in the single digits. So it has bought them more exposure to the electorate, but the electorate doesn't seem to be 
uh, interested in what they're seeing. Um, so I think it depends on the candidate. You know, if you're a candidate that's resonating and you do get some of this PAC money to boost uh, your candidacy, I think it can be effective. But on its own, money is not going to just buy you the election. And I think we're seeing the proof of that now. Right. And, and one of the, you know, one of the most interesting things here down the stretch is the amount of money um, flooding in from the super PACs, but also that the campaigns themselves have Eric Adams, you know, in the in as of the most recent campaign finance filing and then the most recent allocation from the campaign finance board of, of public funds uh, has, you know, the most had the most money on hand, uh, followed, you know, not that far behind by uh, Yang and Stringer. Uh, but, you know, Eric Adams has been in stronger position in the polling, ton of money left to spend, a lot of labor behind mm-hmm. him. You know, he, he he looks pretty strong, although, as I mentioned, you know, he hasn't catapulted in any of this polling we've seen. But people are just starting to to really pay attention. Let's let's return to something you mentioned before, though, which, you know, Eric Ad- discussing Eric Adams makes me think about, which is, you know, what are the sort of issues that seem to be animating the campaign? Um Obviously, the issue of public safety and sort of the other side of that coin with um, police reform, you know, is still dominating the conversation a lot, although it's tilted much more towards public safety, gun violence Mm -hmm. prevention, uh, plans for actually beefing up the police and, and or at least improving the effectiveness of policing and preventing crime. A lot of candidates are talking about improving the police department's uh, ability to clear gun violence crimes. Um, so that's obviously animating things a lot. What else are you getting a sense is, you know, sort of animating the conversation, whether it's from voters or whether it's from <laughs> candidates themselves or interest groups? What seem to be sort of some of the biggest themes here? You know, I totally agree. I think that the policing, just as time goes on, it, it really seems to me to, to be kind of the number one issue at this point of crime. And I think that's, you know, all tied into the city's recovery. Um, I think something that is, uh, you know, maybe almost as divisive really is um, just the candidate's stances on education and um you know, the gifted and talented program, the specialized high schools and sort of charter schools. I think it's an area where you do actually see a lot of clear divisions between the candidates. Um, you know, uh, even on the policing question, I think every candidate is coming to the table with a plan for reform and sort of to some varying degree uh, how they want to, uh, you know, in some cases like beef up enforcement like Eric wants to bring back this anti-crime unit and, um, you know, Andrew Yang has talked about sending more cops into the subways. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think, to me, education is another area that I think is is pretty um, important to voters and and where the candidates have kind of staked out their own territory. You have Catherine and Ray who want to, like, get rid of the charter cap, for example. I think that's something that really... It's a clear, crisp policy position that sort of gives you a sense of where they are. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that strikes me about education, less so about policing, given the fact that we've basically seen this sort of ongoing spike in gun violence that's very troubling and seems to be continuing to increase, actually. Um, But that has been almost a steady force now for a while, but things related to school Mm -hmm. reopening, things related to the economy, the city budget, there's so much 
changing so quickly here that the conversation right now for this last three weeks is so different than a lot of the conversation that's been dominating the campaign for six months because Mm -hmm. vaccinations have been rolling out. The federal bailout came through. uh, The economy is, is reopening. There's obviously hundreds of thousands of jobs not recovered, but the dynamics have been changing so quickly in this race that, you know, what seems to be sort of the animating issues other than maybe a couple consistent ones, you know, things seem to be changing so Mm -hmm. fast. Um, Yeah. I mean, you even saw like Andrew Yang based a whole campaign commercial off of reopening schools. And then lo and behold, the mayor said schools would be fully reopened with a remote option, like just a, a few days later, I think. Right. Yeah, no, it's changing a lot. And that's, that's another reminder that with the primary moved up to June, uh, you know, the, the playing field for the winner of the primary, assuming, again, there'll be, a, there'll be a general election to unfold, but assuming that that primary winner is the next mayor come January, that's a long period between, you know, the arguments, the arguments that were, be, that were made in the primary to get to victory versus the landscape uh, when the winner takes office potentially in January. Joe, in, the, in our last few minutes here, what do you watching for in tonight's debate? We've got uh, the second official televised debate among the Democrats coming up on ABC tonight, or at least the first hour on the network. And then there's some other ways to view the second hour. Um, But what are you watching for most, whether it's general themes or specific candidate performance? What's top of mind as you're as you're awaiting this event tonight? Well, I think it'll be interesting. Um, You know, ranked choice voting was always billed as a way, you know, to promote uh, less negative campaigning. Um, But I think, you know, that only works when, um, you know, if you don't get knocked off the ballot first. So I think there's a lot of people uh, who I think are going to probably go on the offensive quite a bit tonight. I mean, I was at a press conference earlier today with Eric Adams and his supporters gave him a, a bicycle helmet and some elbow pads as sort of like a symbolic way to protect him against the attacks that they expect him to receive tonight is, is sort of a front runner. Um, yeah, that was, that was quite a press conference today. We, we won't yeah. a rally, I guess. <laughs> we, we won't go into the details now, but uh, yeah, that was quite something. Go ahead. And I think that can be useful for the, you know, for voters. It, it, I think there's, you know, a spectrum of sort of attacks or call them what you will. In some ways, they do sort of to define yourself against your opponent. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think anyone wants to see a bunch of petty uh, attacks. And I don't know if it's going to happen there tonight. But um, I think, you know, Maya had a very strong debate performance last time. Um, I think, you know, maybe her her time on MSNBC sort of prepared her for this. But I think she came away uh, with some sort of clean hits on her opponents and was able to, to sort of define her vision. Um, and we'll see now that Catherine really has risen up, you know, we've seen this change. And Andrew Yang, for example, used to praise her and said he wanted to hire her uh, when he became mayor. And now that she bested him in one of the polls, um, we're seeing him attack her as, you know, a part of the, the de Blasio administration, which, uh, you know, he says uh, is essentially failing the city and uh, blaming her for piles of trash on the streets. 
Um, so I think, yeah, that's been quite you know, a, quite an interesting yeah. tonal shift there. Yeah, I mean he's you know been a little bit a little bit led into it at times with questions prompted to him, but he's really mm-hmm. uh, clear, clearly clearly made a a shift there in uh, in changing up you know talking up Catherine Garcia as someone he'd like to uh, to hire in his potential administration to sort of questioning her her track record. Um, and uh, and we saw, you know, very uh, we've seen a fired up Andrew Yang in the last couple of days, too. I, he, he's one I'm really I'm very interested in his. De- yeah, and I think it'll also be performance because see- I do think he started to really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, um, you know, I, I also think it's interesting because we've seen, you know, you and I have watched forums ad nauseum throughout this campaign <laughs> on Zoom. Um, I think a lot of the candidates are really thinking about how there's a much wider viewership, I think, for this debate tonight. So uh, in some ways, and this is something Eric said uh, earlier at his rally, is he will be introducing himself to a lot of voters tonight um, who will be sort of seeing him uh, perform and, and answer questions for the first time. So I think that is a balancing act you have to have as a candidate. You, you don't just want to be like out there attacking people. This is the first time they're seeing you. Um that's right. That's you know, a, that's a great they really point. do need to sort of like from square one explain their vision to to voters who are tuning in and are curious about the race. Right, and they often, I'm sure, forget that too because they've been doing so many forums and having so many house parties and doing all the things they've been doing. So, all right. Well, Joe Nuda is a reporter with Political New York. Joe, thanks very much for taking the time to chat about the mayor's race, and uh, we'll be watching for your your reporting at Politico and uh, and appreciate the time. Yes, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Joe.